Well, we're up to week three of our series of four on Ruth. Uh, before we launch into chapter three, let's quickly uh, recap. Last week we looked at chapter two. Naomi and Ruth arrived back in Bethlehem from Moab. Uh, while they were in Moab, they'd lost pretty much everything. Husbands, food, prospects, uh, home. Naomi tries to convince Ruth to stay behind with her own family. Ruth refuses with the wonderful words, where you go, I'll go. Your God, your people are my people and your God is my God. They arrive back in Bethlehem. Naomi left full, comes back empty. Uh, That's the end of chapter one. By the end of chapter two, things are looking promising. They arrive in time for the barley harvest, a six-week window in which they can gather some food and uh, hopefully uh, get ready for, uh, you know, look look for something else to happen. Ruth heads out into the fields to glean, uh, and as luck would have it, she ends up in the field of one of Naomi's relatives, Boaz. He's an impressive fellow, he's a man of standing, he loves God, he's rich, he looks after his employees, he's kind, oh, and he just happens to be single as well. Uh, They meet for the first time, things go well. Boaz shows her respect and kindness and generosity. Ruth comes home, loaded up with barley, tells Naomi all about it, and Naomi Cog's turning. Boaz is a close relative of mine. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. Kinsmen redeemers were uh, this thing in the Old Testament, uh, an established, experienced family member. His job was to look after extended family. And there's three or four different types of things that the kinsman redeemer would do. Uh, He would do whatever needed to be done to protect, to provide, to restore, to redeem family members. And in this particular case, he could even marry the widows of brothers or relatives who died uh, to make sure the widows were looked after, the family line would continue, that land would stay in the family. What a coincidence that Ruth ends up there, just the sort of person who could help. And so Ruth continues to glean in his field, waits for Boaz to make a move, to offer uh, more than just her short-term needs. She's happy with the company, with the food, but that won't solve the long-term problem of a future, of land, of security. Time's ticking. The barley harvest is only six weeks. After it finishes, there won't be any reason for Boaz uh, and Ruth to to stay around each other. Naomi wants something to happen. Ruth seems to want something to happen. We want something to happen. Uh, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He's shown kindness. Uh, We're waiting for him to show even more. Each day, Ruth heads out to glean. Each day she comes home, Naomi asks, is there any news? Oh, what's this guy doing? So what will happen? Uh, What will Ruth do? Well, what some single Christian girls today will do, if they're in a similar situation, is they might be tempted to lower their standards. They widen the field. They can't find a Christian guy to go out with, but there is that guy at work. We seem to get on okay, he's showing an interest, he's not a Christian, does it really matter? It's not as if I'm going to marry him. Uh, But Ruth's not doing that. She's not heading back to Moab. She's committed to Naomi, she's committed to God and she's going to wait for his timing, however things will turn out. And so we come to chapter 3. Naomi decides it's time for some action. She comes up with a plan. Harvest time's nearly over. She has got to speed things along a little bit. 
uh, Boaz needs some encouragement. Now, perhaps normally it might be Ruth's father's job to do that, to arrange uh, the introduction. But there's no father around. Naomi's the best that Ruth's got. And so verse 1, Naomi suggests a plan. She tells Ruth in verse 3, go and get a makeover. Uh, Wash, put on your best clothes, head off to the beautician, get a bit of a pamper, a bit of pampering, favourite perfume, put those killer heels on. Uh, After all, he's only seen you in your hot and sweaty work clothes, you know, with your hair up, covered in a scarf. He hasn't seen, you know, what, what, you know, hasn't seen how, how good you're looking. Show him that you're not just one of the other workers. Uh, And then here's where it gets interesting. She's to go to Boaz, dressed to impress. Uh, This is a marriage proposal, let's be honest. Uh, And it's the end of the harvest. Boaz is going to be down at the field looking after the grain pile. Verse 3, go to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. Wait until he's got a full stomach. Wait until he's a bit more amenable, perhaps. Uh, This is advice from a married woman who knows the way men work at the end of a working day. Uh, I think the advice is if there's a bloke who doesn't seem to be showing you the right sort of interest, don't ask him about it before he's eaten. Uh, Don't give him the talk on an empty stomach. Uh, Don't give him the talk, I just want to know where our relationship's at. I think you're interested, but, but you won't phone. You know, I want to know what you're thinking. Now let me tell you, if the guy's hungry, if he's got an empty stomach, he's probably thinking about a big meal and a cold beer. So before he eats, it's not the time for that conversation. So Naomi knows what she's doing. This is good advice so far. Naomi continues though in verse 4. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now at this point, there might be a little bit of debate about whether this is good advice or not. Wait until the guy you're interested in has had a few drinks and you're all dressed up. When he lies down to sleep, sneak into his bed and wait for him to tell you what to do. Now, to me, that sounds like it's fairly risky advice and it's probably not what we'd be encouraging our young single women to be doing these days. At the very least, it's risky. Uh, But I guess Naomi's thinking, this is Boaz... He's got a reputation, uh, got a good reputation. He's a member of the family. He's a kinsman redeemer. Uh, Naomi's also putting her trust in God, I guess, as well. And that Boaz just needs a bit of a a push. Uh, I guess here is one of the places in the Bible that describes something rather than prescribes something. It's not advice that we're necessarily going to copy. And I think the fact that this this kinsman-redeemer situation is so very different to our culture uh, means that it's the sort of thing where we just need to to look and not necessarily imitate. So, whatever we think about her plan, that's the plan. Ruth puts it into action. I'll do whatever you say. So, verse 7, the action turns to Boaz. He finishes dinner. He's had a few glasses of wine. He's in good spirits. It's the first harvest after a famine. This is reason to celebrate. He lays down to sleep. He's guarding the grain heap. And Ruth makes a move. She tiptoes over, at least as best she can in her high heels, and she sneaks under the doona. This is the undercover operative at work. Now just put yourself in Ruth's high heel shoes for a moment. She's there lying awake under the corner of his robe, 
Sleep's probably the last thing on her mind. Uh, she's scarcely daring to breathe. Maybe she's pulling the covers up under her chin self-consciously. And she stares up at the night sky and she doesn't recognise the stars too well and she thinks, perhaps, what on earth am I doing here? I, I could be at home with mum and dad in my own bed, but here I am in Israel about to offer myself to a man I hardly know. She shakes her head in disbelief. She can hear the quiet breathing of Boaz, the man who holds the future in her hands. What am I doing here, she thinks. Perhaps she gets sick of waiting. Maybe she gives Boaz a shove, or maybe her toes are getting cold and she gives the doona a pull. But something wakes Boaz up. Uh, he wakes up suddenly, something startles him. Verse 8, the RSV is a bit quaint, but it expresses the idea and it expresses the Hebrew pretty well. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. Now there's lots of things I would think of doing or saying if I found a strange woman under my covers in the middle of the night, but Boaz chooses perhaps the simplest. Who are you? Ruth answers the question and then adds the proposal. Verse 9, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, a couple of points. Firstly, that word translated corner uh, is the word for wing. And it's the same word as back in chapter 2 when Boaz prayed for Ruth. Chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz said to Ruth, May the Lord repay you for what you've done, looking after Naomi. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Same word. Ruth has chosen to come under the wing or the protection of the God of Israel. And now she remembers that, I think, probably, and she asks Boaz to spread his wing over her. How practically is Ruth being protected under God's wings? Well, humanly speaking, at an earthly level, it's by being protected under Boaz's wings, under his protection. One of the ways God looks after his people is when his people look after his people, in a sense, as they answer their own prayers, as they deal with generosity and love and protection over people who need it. God's protection comes through his people's protection. So, Ruth asks to be taken under Boaz's wing. It's more than just a figure of speech, though. In those days, there was a, a literal ceremony of covering with a cloak uh, that symbolises the, the intention to marry and uh, that the, the man would protect the woman. And so this is a request, uh, was a, this is a proposal. Boaz takes it that way and uh, he seems to be flattered by the attentions of this younger woman. Look at verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. She could have chased after younger men, she could have gone back to Moab, but instead she comes to Boaz. And he takes that as being an even, even better than the kindness that she's shown to Naomi by being loyal to Naomi. And I think it's here we get a little hint as to why Boaz might have been a bit slow in making the approach to, to Ruth. Not that he wasn't interested in her. Uh, Naomi and Ruth had been getting impatient, wondering why Boaz was slow. 
but perhaps he hadn't made his move because he thought she wasn't interested in him, uh, that she'd be looking for a younger man. Maybe he thought he was punching above his weight a little. It's not necessarily that he was afraid of commitment. We're going to find out pretty soon enough. He's a man of action. He's, he's, he's not shy in stepping in and doing what needs to be done. Uh, he just thought Ruth was out of his league. So, lesson, single girls, don't assume that that guy that you've noticed isn't interested because he's uh, not knocking you down with offers. You might find it hard to believe, ladies, but most of us blokes uh, pretend that we're confident, but we're not really. Uh, so maybe that bloke just doesn't think he's in your league. Anyway, Boaz, once he realises that Ruth is interested, he's pretty pleased with her attention. And did you notice the word he uses to describe her behaviour? Kindness, the kindness you've shown. It's that word again. Hesed, covenant faithfulness, loving kindness the word used for God's kindness in how he's dealt with Ruth and Naomi, the word that's used to describe how Ruth treats Naomi, how Boaz treats Ruth. So it seems like these two are well suited. They both show kindness. If you look in verse 11, she's actually got a reputation for being that sort of person. Everyone knows you're a woman of noble character. The same phrase that described Boaz when we first met him, chapter 2, verse 1, he was a man of standing. The Hebrew is ish gabor hail, a man of great standing. And here we've got Ruth who's described as an isha hail, a woman of standing. They're well suited. They're what Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.14 calls equally yoked, I think. Uh, he says in that verse that Christians are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Boaz and Ruth are well matched, I think. One may be older and rich and Jewish, the other may be younger, poor and Moabite, but they both love God, they're both of noble character, they have a good reputation, they both treat people with kindness. God wants you to marry someone that you are equally yoked with. Yes, Christian, but more than Christian, someone that you can travel through life with together. Not where you drag them or they drag you to keep following God. God's design is that you walk together, both loving God, both encouraging each other, equally yoked. Seems like, to me, that that's what Boaz and Ruth have got. Boaz is pretty pleased. He's glad to help. And he takes charge like a good kinsman redeemer. I'm going to do it. But there's a slight problem. Verse 12. Although it's true I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Uh, the course of true love never runs smooth. There seems to be obstacles to be cleared out of the way first because there's another man, a closer relative, and he's first in line. What if he offers to, do, uh, to, to, to marry Ruth? Will this love story be ruined? Uh, what if all of Naomi's careful planning will be ruined? What's going to happen? Now, at this point, to me, this is sounding a lot like a Jane Austen novel, don't, don't you think? Um, but we're pretty confident, just like a Jane Austen novel, that Boaz is going to sort it out, that the two that we knew from the start will actually finally get together. Uh, Boaz is that sort of guy. 
He's a man of standing. He's going to do what kinsmen redeemers do. He'll fix the problem. He'll get the job done. He promises to do it quickly. Verse 13. Don't worry about it. Just go back to sleep. Leave it with me. Stay here the night. In the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. He's still protecting her. Don't go home now. There's too many drunk farm workers out. Uh, Town's too far away. Uh, Just stay here. So early the next morning, before anyone can tell who is who, Boaz loads her up with more barley and she goes back to Naomi just the way chapter 2 finishes uh, with buckets of barley for Naomi. Now more good advice I think that we can imitate here, husbands uh, or, or fellas, this is good advice. Don't just impress the girl, impress the mother as well. You get the mother on side, you're doing really well. Uh, Naomi loves the gift. She asks how things went. Uh, She probably didn't get much sleep herself. Ruth fills her in and Naomi buzzes in verse 18. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. This man will not rest until the matter's settled today. Uh, The story's not finished yet, but we do have this quiet confidence, don't we, that things will be settled. The same confidence in the loyalty, in the trustworthiness of Boaz and in God's sovereignty. Uh, In fact, we can't wait to read on to find out how Boaz will settle it, but you'll have to wait till next week. Uh, For for Naomi, it was a risky plan. Ruth could have been harmed. Uh, Her reputation could have been ruined. Uh, But Boaz and God have rewarded Ruth's faithfulness by showing her faithfulness and kindness. So, that's the story. What do we do with chapter 3? Well, I want to zoom in a little bit on that word, redeemer. It's, it's a very common word if you've been reading your Bible for, for very long. You'll, it's one that you'll come, o- come across quite often and yet we don't really use it much in everyday life. The idea of redeeming or buying back. Maybe a pawnbroker when you, you put your TV in to get a short-term loan, you, you've got the ticket and if you want your TV back you have to redeem it. You have to pay money to get your goods back. And it's one of the pictures about what God does to restore a relationship with his people. For example, in Exodus chapter 6, God says to Moses, I've heard the groaning of my people in slavery in Egypt. And he says to Moses, say to my people, I'm the Lord, I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, I'll free you from being slaves to them, I will redeem you and I'll bring you into the promised land. And he did. He brought them into the land and he gave them rules. He gave them laws that they were to follow as God's redeemed or freed or bought back people. And every law that he gives them is about how to live in response to being redeemed people. And if we think about that subset of the kinsman redeemer laws, every act of a kinsman redeemer who redeems back either buys land on behalf of or or marries a widow or stands up in court and defends, every act of redemption on the part of a redeemer reflects God's redemption of his people. Every act reminds people, reminds Israel about how God redeems. Every act of protection by a human wing reflects God's protection under his wing. Every act of human kindness 
is one of the instruments through which God shows his kindness. What were the ways that God blessed his people in the land? He gave them freedom. He gave them justice and land and children. And each of those things were kinsman-redeemer acts for family members. They could buy them freedom from slavery and restore justice and they could buy land and they could provide children. All of them instruments for how God worked out his covenant promises. So Ruth, in a sense, is a picture of Israel, a stranger brought from another land. Uh, And Boaz is a picture of God and his faithfulness who spreads his wing over his bride and redeems her. And we've been brought from that same position as Ruth, as helpless foreigners without hope, into a new family, redeemed by the God who loves us. And as we think about how Jesus fits into that picture as well, we can see parallels very clearly. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, a great, 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 great grandson of Boaz himself. If you think about how Boaz, David descends from Boaz and Jesus descends from David, Jesus is the older brother willing to redeem us. Uh, Paul uses that language when he's describing what Jesus does in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 verse 14, if if you're a quick Bible flipper you might want to flip over a few pages. Titus chapter 2 verse 14, uh, Paul describes uh, Jesus in this way. Uh, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Jesus redeemed us. He bought us with his own body, with his own life, so that we could be made into God's family. Jesus is our Boaz, and we are Ruth, in a sense. And here's the point which I really love in this story of Boaz and Ruth as a a picture or a parable of Jesus. Boaz didn't have to do it. Uh, He wasn't obliged to pay to, to, to marry Ruth. Uh, that was a closer relative's obligation. There was no ac- expectation on Boaz. So why did he do it? Well, it was kindness. It was grace. It was love. Just as it was for Jesus. Nothing of us that deserved rescuing, that demanded rescuing. Uh, but Jesus did it out of love. A few verses on in Titus chapter 3. Uh, God says this, uh, sorry, Paul says this about God's action in sending Jesus. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. There's that word again. Well, it's in Greek, but it's not used that often really in Greek, but, but it's a pretty similar idea. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. In other words, when Jesus came, he saved us not because of the righteous things we'd done. We didn't demand it. We didn't deserve it. He saved us because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, saves Ruth, gives her a family, 
Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, saves us through grace that we might become heirs, that we might become part of the family forever. If you don't know that saving work, that redeeming work, then accept the offer. Become part of Jesus' family. Come into the family. It's as simple as what Ruth asked of Boaz. All she did was ask. And you don't even need to dress up. Just got to ask Jesus to redeem you, to bring you into his family. Many of us do know that. We are part of his family, redeemed by our husband Jesus. Then we need to live in response to that. We need to reflect the kindness that God has shown us. We need to be kind to each other, redeem each other faithfully and lovingly and sacrificially. We are God's people working out God's purposes as we deal with each other in these ways. May that be our desire, may that be a description of how we treat each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you will be at work in us, helping us uh, to be grateful, uh, helping us to be kind and uh, generous and faithful with each other as we reflect the way that you've treated us in the Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in his name.